Virtual events present opportunities that are not traditionally available for in-person events. Although personal connection may seem difficult to achieve with a virtual event, this certainly isn't the case. Join us for the top five reasons why you should host a virtual event. Welcome to The Friday Habit with Benjamin Manley and Mark Labriola II. The Friday Habit is for creators, entrepreneurs, and agency owners looking for actionable ideas on how to grow their business and be more profitable. We'll pull from our combined knowledge of over 20 years and interview thought leaders that will inspire you and give you the motivation you need to kick your business into high gear. Buckle up. It's Friday. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mark. Good to see you there. (laughs) Good to see you, too. Good to see you, too. We recently had 4th of July, or Independence Day, as I like to call it, here in America uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, had some time off, did some road trips, some stuff with the fam. It was great. Yes, uh, it's always good to get away and do something a little different. That's right. Well, I have a, a question for you. I'm ready. What personal goals are you working on right now? Oh, my gosh. All right. Uh <laughs> That's a tough one. Out of the gate, it's this open-ended question that's deep, and you have to really like put thought <laughs> into. It's not like, would you rather have pinky yeah, toes yeah. or like you know pinky fingers? <laughs> Great question. Um, I am working on a couple. One is trying to figure out how to balance being a consistent slash somewhat like strict parent that's very mm. like um, consistent with. Mm-hmm being understanding with your kids, you know, like how do you balance both being like super consistent, but also, um, be very understanding about things. So I don't know. It's, I'm not explaining it super well, but I've just been kind of saying, yeah, it's kind of like, I want to be flexible and understanding of what it's like to be a kid when something really matters to them. But I also don't want them to whine about stuff that I think is like not even a big deal. Do you know what I mean? So you don't want to invalidate kids feelings, but you also don't want them to think that it's okay to whine about the littlest things. Right. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where, you know, I I feel like I'm way more self-aware about being a parent than my parents ever were and I'm thinking about like how does this make them feel or I feel like I can remember back to when I was a kid like really well like Mm -hmm. in the feelings I felt when I was 10 and 11 and 12 and kind of the things I experienced and so I'm trying to take that knowledge and then apply it to my parenting to my kids to have that balance um it was funny because I was a super fat kid like from the time I was born until I was 10 years old. My mom really didn't care about my diet, was just feeding me whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Anything I asked for, it was like ice cream at midnight, eat it, gummy worms, Big Macs (laughs) three times a day. Like, didn't matter, right? Uh Like, it was just like, eat this food. And I was like this huge fat kid. Like, when I came to live with my dad when I was 10, I was 150 pounds at 10 years old. And I was, you know, just this blob. And my daughter was, she was, you know, throwing a fit about something or like I couldn't have something. And she's like, well, why? Like, why? And I said, well, not all good things are good for you in excess. And Mm -hmm. I kind of gave that example, like a part of actually my parent neglecting me was allowing me to have whatever I wanted whenever I wanted it. And so I turned into this fat kid and in a way that was child abuse because my mom didn't put any boundaries or restrictions or anything like that on me. And so I kind of had that as a, as a antidote to, to explain. Cause as a kid you think, well, 
I think this is good, so I should just have it, or I should just experience this, or I should just be able to do whatever I want, right. and my parents bad for restricting me. But really, a good parent mm-hmm. puts restrictions on. Yeah, that's what I think. Don't you think? I totally agree. Yeah, <clears throat> it's just sometimes it's hard to know exactly where that line is. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, screen time as an example. It's like you want to encourage your kids and be excited about a video game that they love, you know, and play it with them and be part of that. But you also yeah. don't want it to go overboard and them to only want to do that and not enjoy the rest of life. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's just another example, kind of like what you're talking about. Right. So that's something I'm thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> and then we find ourselves saying the same things that our parents said to us. And mm-hmm. we were like, Oh, I sound like my parent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to rot your brain. Get outside. And <laughs> Yo, yeah. it's like my voice even sounds like. I'm... <laughs> yeah. That is. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, that's just part of life and being a parent and a business owner and all those things. So hopefully that was uh, entertaining and engaging for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I hope so. So I wanted to talk about the five benefits of hosting a virtual event today. Uh, yeah, I think I'm excited we, about this. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a few things that maybe some people overlook. Um, and with COVID-19 happening, you know, last year and, and into this year and this whole pandemic really threw people off the, their, their kilter of yeah. their routines. Um, a lot of people have transitioned into virtual events. And I know that I had some clients who were, had never really pushed into virtual events because they thought that it would cannibalize their live event. And so they didn't want to put much energy or money or time into producing a virtual event because they didn't want their in-person event to suffer. Right. But um, I think data shows that 93% of event uh, marketers will continue to invest in virtual events in the future because they saw the data showed that it was a different demographic and a different group of people that started coming to these virtual events that they had. Oh, interesting. So not necessarily the same people that would have shown up at the actual live event, but some exactly. other people. Exactly. Is So when you're talking about live events, are you talking about kind of like, are this usually like, are you thinking of like, a, is it like a webinar just to get specific? Is like a webinar, workshop? Is it more like a broadcasted event? Like kind of like a stage show that you would normally do yeah. in person? Or like what are, or is it all different types? I think it's all different types. I think it, you know, obviously depending on, you know, the business you're in, uh, you're going to have a different type of event that you hold. Uh, and then even throughout the year, you might have a different event. You may say you rent out a hotel and you do some sort of workshops that are like in person that have keynote speakers and things like that. And then maybe sometime throughout the year you do do more of like a generic motivational, like get some keynote speakers that are going to get people pumped up and you have people come to the event and you, uh, you know, just make a big deal out of it. So I think there's a lot of different types of events that you can have. And um, there's a lot of things I think that people feel that, oh, well, a virtual event, you're going to miss out on, uh, the inhuman connection, which I think mm-hmm. is true. And I think that's probably one of the, the biggest, um, reasons why you'd want to hold an in-person event. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are some things that a virtual event provides that a, uh, in-person event doesn't. And so I think one of those things, number one is you're going to expand your audience reach, right? Yeah. A lot of people maybe can't afford to pay for travel, for pay for lodging, pay for food for three or four days. For sure. And then pay a 
700 bucks for a ticket to this event. And so you, there's a lot of cost hindrance that takes place for a lot of people to go to events. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think this, that exact thing when I'm like, see an event and I'm like, Oh, that sounds awesome. But I'm no, no way I can spend a whole weekend away right. to go to this thing. But I see, Oh, it's like a weekday and I could do that during business hours. Like, Hmm, exactly. I'll actually think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And so a virtual event, it, it'll eliminate those limitations you know, and, and geologic, uh, or geographical limitations as well. Right. So maybe someone's in another country and they find out about your event and they're not going to fly 12, 16 hours to America to come do that event, but they would come to that virtual event. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it, it offers a lot more potential for growth and for, uh, reach, you know, maybe an in-person event, maybe only will bring, 700, 1,000 people, but a virtual event may bring 1,500, 2,000 people, hmm, you know, gotcha. if it's marketed right. So so I think that that's, that's tip one is that it's going to expand your reach. Um, and then the second thing is it creates more flexibility. So I think a virtual event allows you and your team uh, to kind of plan more intentionally in, in a way, like kind of process what the experience is going to be and how it's going to unfold to your guests. Mm. And you can really start to think about the different ways that you may want to engage your audience during a, a day, event day, you know, virtually. Typically at a live event, you have a speaker and people meander into a room, they sit mm -hmm. down, they listen to that, and then they move on and they go to a, a different room and hear another speaker. Right. Well, with a virtual event, you have to think of other ways to engage people where maybe there's brain breaks, uh, guest speakers and subject matter experts that are maybe talking about shorter, uh, more precise niche topics and people can have these experiences that instead of it being a long 45 minute hour keynote, you can have these like shorter experiences that you can engage your audience with. Yeah. I was wondering about that. If like, if long, if there's like maybe a, if it's better to have short stuff when you're doing remote versus like longer talks, I mean, I, in my opinion, like shorter talks in general are usually more effective anyways, even in person, cause you can remember them better, but yeah, exactly. And I think again, it comes down to that building out that experience and thinking about okay, what will it be like for someone to be sitting in front of their computer for right. 45 minutes or right. an hour? Mm -hmm. And should I maybe take something that typically would be 60 minutes long and then break it into two 30-minute seg uh, segments mm -hmm. and then have like a, a five-minute Q&A or a 10-minute brain break uh, right. kind of experience? So Makes sense. So yeah. So I think number two, it creates more flexibility for your event. Number three... It enhances the attendee engagement and networking, which at first I was like, this isn't true. But then hmm. I was like, actually, <laughs> it is true. It is true. <laughs> okay. You know, for me, I don't have a problem walking up to a stranger at an event and just mm -hmm. being like, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? Or right. awkwardly standing in a group and waiting for someone to acknowledge me. Like, I don't mm -hmm. have a problem with that, you know? Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people, they hate speaking in public. They hate interacting with people they don't know. True. And it is like, let me go to this event. Let me run back to my room because I don't want to have any awkward conversations. But with the virtual event, it allows you to have a little bit of anonymity. Anonymity? Hmm. Anonymity. Anonymity. 
Anonymity. Anonymity, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just weird when I say it anonym- and I'm hearing myself. <laughs> now I can't say the word. Anonymousness? Anonymousness. Yeah, it allows you to. Yeah. Anonymity. <laughs> it allows you to be anonymous in in some kind of way, right? When right. you're an avatar, right? A lot of times you can pop into these rooms and you can see all these conversations that are going on. You can read comments that people are saying. Some of these um, platforms have little tables, right? And the tables will have, say, four empty spaces and then three of those spaces fill up. So you could go sit at that table and then interact with people in, in more of a chat way. Uh, I've actually been to an event recently where I was this like in a 3D world like SimCity and I had a little avatar. Yeah. And you could see groups of people and then you could go click on that group and then it would it would like ring them. Like the whoever the group leader was, it would ring them and then they could allow you to be in their group and then your camera would turn on and then all of a sudden you're in this little group chat with people. And it was kind of an interesting experience. And I think for someone who maybe is a little intimidated by meeting new people or doesn't like to be put in awkward situations it allows them to have a little bit more confidence and it allows them to maybe let their hair down a little bit and just engage and network more freely because they don't have to worry about, you know, if they are dressed right or if their breath smells bad or, uh, you know, they're not going to know what to say. They can just maybe participate in reading the questions and answers that are being asked and then maybe participate if they want to, but they can get a little bit more out of that experience and then the thing that I found was is that after I would interact in one of these you know events, networking, virtual event networking uh, environments, I then would go onto LinkedIn and I would find all those people and then I would you yeah. know friend mm-hmm. them and say, hey, it was good connecting with you at that you know virtual event. And so again, I think having a virtual event is going to just enhance that engagement and networking for a large segment of people because I don't think everybody is super outgoing and ready to to jump in and and have conversations. I think that's so true. Yeah. And I think it just makes it a little bit like less draining for people too, to be like, Hey, you know, I don't have the energy to go out and do this thing, but you know, like I've joined, um, recently, like, a, I was invited to like a mastermind group. There's maybe like 20 different people there and they're all business owners and they're actually all from all over the country. First of all, like you said, it kind of opens up to new demographic because now you're open geographically to all these places. Then also all those people probably would have been too worn out after work to be like, yeah, let me go to like a a networking event now. Instead, you know, we're sitting around in our house and having a drink or something and talking about how business is going. And it's just a cool way to meet new people. And just what you, like you said afterwards, people are like, Hey, um, they like message you directly. Like, Hey, let's, let's join up on LinkedIn. And then, you know, from now, like I've still gotten referrals from some of those people or have told other people about their business if I thought it was good for them. So it's really, it definitely has worked for me. Yeah. See, there it is. Yeah. All right. Number four, it will save time and money. And this is a big one. I mean, I know, companies that are spending millions of dollars on putting on a live event because they have to rent a facility, they have to um, you know, bring in AV and, and all these other types of things. And so it can be a, a very expensive production. Uh, but if you have a, a virtual event, you remove a lot of the aspects of the planning as far as when it's at a destination uh, and it's gonna save your organization money and time really, uh, and, and allow your team to put more effort into the overall event structure and planning process. And then, like we talked earlier, the attendees are going to benefit from that 
money and time savings as well. They instead of having to take an extra day off for travel, they can just boot up their computer and join in on the experience. Yeah, it's almost like a benefit, not not a uh, downside. Honestly, it's like I just love the fact you don't have to travel. I know I keep saying that, but I'm like, man, that's such a big perk. Especially when you have a family and you have um, things that you're committed to. Sometimes, as much as you may want to go to an event, it's just a huge inconvenience on mm. your on your personal schedule in life. And especially if you're doing something for work, right. you know, it's a lot easier if it's. Uh, if it's something that you can participate in from home and then still have your nights and, and weekends available and you're you're not always you know leaving and and so yeah I mean I definitely think um, there's just there's a lot of of perks that a lot of people just didn't think about right. before the pandemic happened and then when everyone was forced to move into these virtual events they kind of started to see oh hey this this makes sense you know mm-hmm. this this is something that we can kind of wrap our minds and arms around and then produce. And then, like I was saying earlier, you may have a demographic that wants to go to those events, spend a week out of their time away, use vacation time or or whatever it is to like go to this event and be in person. You're going to get those people because they're going to always want to have that experience. And then you're going to get this experience of people who just want to stay home. And I think that's the other great thing about virtual events, kind of a bonus one, is that you can really pre-plan it and get it all pre-recorded and a lot of other things going and get the whole thing done, ready to hit play essentially on uh, beforehand. And so that eliminates a lot of day of stress and anxiety of putting on an event and if things are going to go wrong tech wise or, um, you know, whatnot, people's travel schedule, if a speaker gets hung up somewhere and they can't make it to the, you know, show, there's just a lot of working parts to this that I think, um, just will benefit a lot of companies and a lot of people who may be thinking about putting on a virtual event. And I think that's one of the things like maybe start off with just doing a hybrid event, right? You know, maybe start off with, Hey, we're going to do our live event like we typically do, but now we're going to also offer this experience to the side, which maybe you have one or two people who are moderating it. And then you're rebroadcasting the content that you're, you know, producing at the live event. And then someone can kind of like sign up for that and, and whatnot. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of interesting things. And I think that brings me to number five is the a, the ability to measure the data and feedback a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in person, a lot of times I've been to events, right, and they're handing you maybe a comment card as you're walking into the main event, or they have them on your seat and you sit on them and they get all wrinkly and then you throw them on the ground or you put them in the trash because you're not willing to take this survey or enter your data. But with a virtual event, all that stuff is kind of built into the experience where people may not be realizing that they're doing a survey when they're taking a poll or doing these other things because it's just happening in front of them at their computers, you're going to be able to gather a lot more data. And then with that data, you can use um, to just create a better experience going forward. And so uh, it's something that you're able to just measure 100% of it pretty much because there aren't going to be anonymous people coming and going or uh, obviously if there's a certain amount of people signed up for a particular talk, if those people come into that room, you're going to be able to know that the people who signed up for that talk are at that talk. And then you can say, hey, 
a lot of people signed up for this talk and they didn't go to that talk. And so maybe right. let's not do that that talk next time or not have that topic right. as an option. Or maybe people go to this talk and like 90% of the people went to that talk dropped out after 15 minutes. Like maybe we don't invite that speaker back or <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or whatever. yeah there's, there's, ton, there's just a lot more data that you can gather mm-hmm. on a virtual event than you could if you were um, doing it in person. And so yeah. I think that's... Another thing that Mm -hmm. it it allows you to measure that data because the data is going to allow you to tweak what you do, make it better, and continue to grow the experience, continue to grow your audience, and uh, push more into virtual events and, and do it better. So Yeah, that makes sense. I I also like, just along with what you were saying with kind of making, like saving time and money, another thing I just thought of, which you kind of talked about, was just like how they, it seems like virtual events can scale up really easily. So it's not like a limitation of, oh, if you have an in-person event, you have a limitation of X number of seats in the room and it's maybe hard, you know, you have kind of a hard cap of like, oh, we can only have this many people at the event. Whereas if you're doing virtual, I mean, you might have to upgrade your Zoom plan or something. I don't know. But other than that, it seems like it'd be pretty easy to push a button and upgrade. And also it seems like less risky, you know, Mm -hmm. depending on how much you're spending on it. But it seems like a little less risky because then you're not like reserving a giant venue and then not getting your money back out of it. So it seems like a good idea for that reason, too. Yeah, right. I mean, essentially, maybe say it costs you several hundred bucks to do an event. Mm hmm get the platform, all those other aspects of it. Uh, and then, and then you're marketing it, you know, yeah. you're, you're putting money behind it to, to get people to the event. Uh, and if you don't hit those numbers, it's a completely different story than if you have this live in-person event that's costing you several thousand dollars to rent a space and bring in food and all those other kind of aspects of it. And if you don't hit those targets, you know, you're just out a lot more. So, yep. Makes sense. So, yeah, man, that's what I got for you. I think those are the five reasons. And, you know, Brand Viva, it's one of those things that this past year, it's something that has really been brought to our attention as as it's something that we do a lot of the things that are required for a virtual event. Right. Like we, we produce content. We, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do speaker bumpers and we... Um, you know, can call a show. There's just a lot of different stuff that we do, but we weren't really offering virtual events or mm-hmm. pushing into that space at all. And so I think when we started seeing our clients coming to us and saying, hey, our event in person got canceled, we need you to help us create content. It was one of those things that for me would kind of open up my eyes to say, oh, hey, this is a whole nother segment of business that right. I'm. we're already doing 80% of it. So if I can... Mm-hmm kind of pivot the business a little bit and learn the other 20%, like we can start to offer something that's a, a great value to our, our clients and, and potential clients. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great fit for you guys skills. I mean, you have a lot of background in all the video production, audio production, all the editing, all that kind of stuff. And you already, like you said, do most of the work. So, um, I think people should definitely reach out to you and get in touch if they're interested. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So, Hey, Takeaways, five keys. I got, I got it. Oh okay. wait, oh you're gonna read your you you read your recap. Okay, the recap. So okay. the recap one, it expands your audience reach. You can you can get out and reach more people because you're no longer uh, confined to a specific location. Number two, it creates more flexibility. Um, it allows you to 
uh, plan and innovate in a way that could be different than if you had to do an in-person event. Number three, uh, it enhances the attendees' engagement and networking. People may be feeling awkward to, to, to reach out to people they don't know, but in a virtual environment, it removes a lot of those stigmas and you can just interact. Number four, it saves you time and money. And number five, it allows you to measure the data and get feedback and adjust and grow. I love it. All right, I got a couple of takeaways. All right. Um, these are things that stood out to me. I love that you can have a virtual event and it helps you reach an all new demographic. You might not be able to reach with an in-person event. Um, that virtual events are more scalable. That's really cool. Um, I think it's neat that virtual events can help you reach maybe some less social people or slightly more introverted people um, and they can kind of network in that way. It makes it a little easier. Then my last takeaway is don't let your kids eat ice cream and Big Macs at midnight. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's so right. <laughs> All right. So my action item for this week is, you know, maybe you're doing an event via Zoom uh, and, and having some success with that. Um, but I would, I've been doing a lot of research on this and looking at a lot of different companies that offer a virtual event experiences, uh, as far as like a platform goes like zoom. And so I would recommend to check out, there's two companies out there that I really like. One is called Hopin, uh, and the other one is called brand live. Uh, and they're, they're really interesting platforms. They offer a lot of, uh, flexibility, landing pages, and, and just a, a bunch of different stuff that Zoom doesn't offer you. So go check out those two guys and um, get more serious about putting on a virtual event. Love it. All right, guys, go to thefridayhabit.com to find show notes for this episode. And you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System. And that'll show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. That's right. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover, don't forget to record us a quick voice memo and send it to hello at thefridayhabit.com. That's right. And until next time, live every day like it's Friday. to the electronic part.